Psalm 22, I'll begin at verse 1 and then skip down to verse 19. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy, O oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. Thank you so much for giving me the invitation to come and share with you today. Life is often hard for us and for the people we love. If someone asked you, have you ever faced tough times? All of us could begin to speak immediately and we could probably continue speaking for some period of time. Part of the realism of the Bible is that it's frequent acknowledgement that life is hard. For example, Job in chapter three says this, for the thing that I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Or in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul makes this statement. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. Now when life is hard, people complain. We complain. But according to scripture, there are two kinds of complaining. There is a sinful kind of complaining that comes out of a heart of unbelief that basically says, you know, God, you have not loved or cared for me the way I expected. You have not used your power and your control in the way that I expect. And we find this, for example, in the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 11. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. We're all familiar with sinful grumbling and complaining. We've all been there. But there is a godly complaining as well that comes out of an attitude of trust and belief, and it's found, for example, in Psalm 142. I will pour out my complaint before him. I will tell my trouble before him. This godly form of complaining is called lament, biblical lament. One-third of the Psalms are lament Psalms, which means God knows his people are going to go through an awful lot of trouble in their life. Now, biblical lament is a poetic form. It has five elements to it. And so we're going to look at each of these five elements. Now, in Scripture and in our own prayers, when we are in great pain and trouble, we don't normally pray in a nice, neat, orderly, outlined fashion. We sort of go back and forth. And that's the way Scripture is, because that's who we are. 
But nevertheless, we want to look at each of these five elements because God says, you will face hurt, you will face hardship and trouble, and I want to give you a pattern of prayer that will enable you to get through that better than you ever would left to yourself. So let's begin with this. That when life is hard, let's begin by crying out to God. When we're in trouble and distress, we know we're going to talk to ourselves. We know we're going to talk to other people. God says, make sure you also talk to me. And you'll see at the beginning of these Psalms, in particular, the first couple of verses, this initial cry to God has often given us a clue with these words, O Lord, or O God. For example, at the very beginning of Psalm 5, says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Or the very beginning of Psalm 88, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. So God says, when you are in trouble, make sure you quickly turn to me. I want to hear your cry. That's how it begins. But when life is hard, the next thing that he wants to make sure that we do is to talk to God about the hardship, the hurt, the trouble, the distress that we're going through. And what God wants to do in the Lament Psalm is to protect us from two dangers. And the first danger is the danger of denial. Sometimes Christians have this temptation, this fantasy, that if I basically just ignore my struggle and say everything's okay, that's really pleasing to God. That's not true. You go through the Psalms, and what we learn there is that we can be very direct We can be very forthright in telling God exactly where we're at, and we can still do it in a sense of reverence and respect toward the Lord himself. And so I want to look at two major ways in which God expects us to pray. And the first is what I call understanding hurt. Now, here I'm not talking about the physical pain that comes in accident or illness. We'll look at that in a couple minutes. Here I'm talking about the emotional and moral pain when others do wrong against us. God has made us in this image, and two characteristics of all people is we are deeply concerned about justice and we deeply desire love. And it's in those two areas where the hurt, or what I call being wounded in heart and soul, take place. One way in which we hurt is injustice. The ways in which we are treated unjustly, we are accused unfairly, We are going through some kind of abuse. We have experienced violence. The key biblical word for injustice is the word oppression. And this is what we read in Job 35, just of one of many, many passages on the topic. The oppressed cry out beneath the wrongs that are done to them. They groan beneath the power of the mighty. Injustice wounds us deeply, hurts us deeply, morally and emotionally, and God says, talk to me about it. The other primary area of being hurt relates to the absence or the withdrawal of love. And the key biblical word for that is the word forsaken. Rejection, along with injustice, is something that wounds us deeply. It's when people who have loved us or supported us or been with us, it might be family, it might be friends, it might be colleagues or some other setting, and all at once there is a distance between us and them and they begin to avoid us and we experience rejection in different ways. And because love is so profoundly important to all of us, rejection has a significant damaging effect upon our own heart. And even though being rejected by others 
can be very, very hurtful. What is potentially the worst is if a person ever feels that God himself has rejected them. And so what we read in Psalm 78 are four powerful questions of a person raising this issue of, is God himself rejecting me? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Anytime a person begins to feel that way, the effect upon us is profound. And so God says, whenever you experience injustice in any form, experience rejection in any form, make sure you talk to me about that. Hurt, moral and emotional hurt, is profoundly important. The other major area in which we need to talk is what I would call hardship. And hardship are the circumstances that come down upon us. Let me just give you four broad categories and you can probably explain even more. First area of hurt are health issues. Disease, sickness, going in for an operation, having an accident, the limitations that come upon us because of aging, those kind of circumstances upon us. God says, talk to me about it. Another major area is bereavement, the sense of loss. That can take place where there's a miscarriage. It certainly is experienced by us in the death of a family member or a loved one. Another broad category of circumstances are financial difficulties that come to us. The loss of a full income, or even worse, the loss of a job with nothing else to turn to at that point. Medical expenses can really devastate a family's income. Sometimes there are expenses to car or house that just sort of ruin what our budget is, and we experience the financial difficulty there. A fourth broad area are natural disasters, and we see this on TV all the time. Fire, floods, storms, especially tornadoes. Just think of the damage that is done, the circumstances that come upon people, and God says, when you go through those hardships, make sure you talk to me. But the greatest issue in both hurt and hardship is what is the attitude and response of our own heart? There's two basic responses we can make under hurt and hardship. The destructive response is what I call the whirlpool effect. It's when we go over something in our mind again and again, and like a whirlpool, it just brings us down. Several decades ago, God taught me something about myself that has been very helpful to know for myself. And that is, if I go over something three times in a short span of time, I have a problem in my heart. Regardless of what anybody else said or did, regardless of what the circumstances are, if I am into the whirlpool effect, there is an issue in my heart and I need to turn to the Lord about that because that'll just suck me down. That's the destructive response. The constructive response of our heart in hurt and hardship can be found, for example, at the very beginning of Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Okay? Lift up my soul to the Lord to do what? To enter into dialogue with God. I lift my soul, Lord, because I need to talk to you about what's going on. I need to talk without the turmoil that's within me. But it's not just a monologue. As we do that, we should be open and listening. God can bring thoughts to our mind. God can bring scriptures to mind. There is this interaction that takes place as we lift up our souls to the Lord. 
And so whenever hurt and hardship, distress and trouble come our way, we're going to respond in one of two ways. We're either going to respond around and down, or we're going to go up and dialogue. And so the Lord says, make sure you respond in the right way. I have provided in prayer a way for you to come to me. So those two elements of lament, the initial cry to God and talking to him about what we're going through, those are designed to protect us from the danger of denial. Don't pretend with God that things are better than they really are. Talk with him about it. But the final three elements of biblical lament protect us from the greatest danger, and that's the danger of unbelief. The fact is, when we go through these things, we begin to wonder whether or not we can continue to trust God. And the threat of unbelief can come to any one of us from any one of three sources or any combination of these sources. The first source or threat of unbelief comes from the sin that's remaining in our own heart. That we, in effect, say to God, and there's a kind of a fist in our words, how do you tell me that you love me and let me go through this? The second threat of unbelief comes from others who listen to what we're going through and say, I can't imagine that you still believe God loves you and he lets you go through that. The third source is the direct attack of Satan who said, when God told you that he's a loving father, he lied. Our self, others, or Satan can all attack our ability to trust and believe in God when we're going through times of hurt and hardship. And therefore, these final three elements are designed to help us trust God because unbelief moves us away from God. These final three elements of biblical lament are designed to help us together and to come and trust the Lord. And it's these three elements that make our complaint godly. Anybody can talk about their hurt. Anybody can talk about the circumstances upon them. But what's the difference between sinful complaining and godly complaining are the final three elements of biblical lament. And so we want to ask God to bring about good in our situation. You'll see throughout the Psalms, as they're going through the different difficulties, there are requests and prayers that are made. There's a lot of different things. Let me just mention two of the requests that are equally important for us today. The first is that we ask God for the strength that we need to get through this. Psalm 10, verse 17. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. Hardship drains us. It makes us weary. I learned this in a significant way with my own sister. She lives in Philadelphia. And for 10 years, she had ongoing back pain. She would call me just to talk about it. We've had dozens and dozens and dozens of phone calls during those 10 years. And she said, yes, the pain is there, but here's what is the toughest thing. It's chronic. It's ongoing. I can't get away from it. For 10 years, she had that. And that is the chronic nature wore her down more than the pain itself. And so God comes to us and says, come and talk with me that I will give you strength. Another important request that we find in the Psalms when we're going through this, talking to God, is that we're asking God to teach us what we need to learn in the midst of all this trouble and difficulty we're going through. Psalm 86, verse 11. 
Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. One of the best questions we can ever ask when we're going through hardship and hurt is, God, what do I need to learn? What can I learn about you in this? What do I need to learn about myself? And the psalmist goes on and says, unite my heart. Why? Because anytime we're in hurt and hardship, we can respond in two different ways. We can respond in a combination of ungodly response and godly response. And he says, I don't want to have a divided heart. Would you please unite my heart so that I have a single response to you as I go through this and ask that God would bring about good in the situation I'm going through. Just to share something from our own family experience, Judy and I have three children. Our youngest is named Andrew. Andrew was born with Down syndrome. We discovered after he'd been home for two weeks that he had an intestinal defect that was learned as an ambulance took him to Hartford Hospital in the middle of the night. As a result of that intestinal defect, he had eight operations in his first three years, a total of 13 weeks in Hartford Hospital. Five and a half of those weeks, he was in intensive care. What did we learn? Well, we learned a deeper sense of compassion. We learned endurance. We learned that God was able to provide for us in what was far and away the worst medical bills we could ever have or imagine. Andrew's now 34. He is in his 12th year working up at the University of Connecticut in the dining services. He's back in one of the kitchen areas in the dining hall area. He has a number of different jobs there. His favorite job are the dirty dishes. May his tribe increase. Andrew has filled our family with joy. Andrew tells us multiple times every day how much he loves us. And when we say to him, Andy, you know, you're a gift from God to us. He just smiles. Says, yeah. <laughs> sort of like, of course. We cannot measure the amount of good that God has blessed our family with. And frankly, a number of other people as well who have interacted with him. And so we can say, God is good. God is good all the time. So we come and we talk to God. And we make our request because, God, will you bring good out of this situation? That's the third element of biblical lament. It helps us to trust. A fourth element also strengthens that. And it's this. When life is hard, let's express trust in God even before the answer comes. Again, the most significant issue in hurt and hardship is what's going on inside of here. Is my attitude one of unbelief? God, I expect you to love me, but you aren't coming through. God, I expect you to use your power for good, and I don't think you're doing it right. If the attitude of unbelief is there, then that becomes a destructive experience. On the other hand, God wants us to be able to say, Clear-eyed as to what we're going through, God, because of who you are, I can still rely upon you. And I believe, and I'll say this before you answer the prayer, I believe you're going to come through, and I believe you're going to show yourself loving and strong and faithful. And there are a number of different passages in the Lament Psalms that express trust. Let me just mention three of them for you. 
One is found in Psalm 69, verse 13, where we express trust in God because of his character. But as for me, my prayer is up to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. That prayer is based upon earlier scripture. When Moses says to God, show me your glory, God says, I'll I'll sort of hide you in the rock so the profound glory goes past, but I will declare you my name. And when he does, he says, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is what the psalmist built upon when he said, in an acceptable time, and this is the challenge for us, God's timetable is not always ours, but in an acceptable time, this is how you will act. And I believe this, Lord. I'll experience abundant love, and I'll experience your faithfulness. Hasn't happened yet, not in the situation I'm in right now, but it will, and I believe you, and I trust you. So that's one of the ways in which we express trust ahead of time. Here's another way in which we express trust to God before the answer comes. We trust him because he has helped other people who have trusted him. Psalm 22, verses 4 and 5, which was part of the reading earlier today. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. And so God gives us a number of passages in the scripture of people trusting him. And we just sit back and think, God, what you did in that. I mean, who could have imagined in these different situations? You know, who can imagine that David is going to trust when he's facing Goliath? But he does. You know, you've taken on the armies of the living God. I'm going to kill you. You know, and you sit there and think, wow. But maybe more important for most of us are the testimonies we have from other believers. Of people who say, yeah, thanks so much for praying for me about that. Let me tell you how God answered that prayer. And because we have seen God work in other people's lives, it encourages us to be able to trust him as well. And then a third way in which we can express trust in God is because we have seen him work in our own past experiences. Psalm 71, verses 5 and 6. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust. O Lord, from my youth upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. And so we look back. And Judy and I have been through a number of experiences where finances was a significant matter. But we've seen him answer here and here and here and here. So we run into something here, and it's like, hey, God, you know. Uh, We've seen how faithful you've been in the past. You're going to be with us. You're going to help us. All of us do that at different times. We've seen God work in the past, and so we trust him in the future. But as we express trust in God before the answer comes, there's two things that we oftentimes don't know. We don't necessarily know how he's going to answer the prayer. God can be very creative. And we don't necessarily know when he's going to answer the prayer. Sometimes it's according to our timetable, and sometimes it's not according to our timetable. But before it happens, we go ahead and express trust and thank him for that. So our faith is strengthened by asking God to bring good out of it. Our faith is strengthened by affirming our trust in him before he even answers it. And then the third and final element that strengthens our trust is this. When life is hard, let's promise we will praise and thank God for his help. Here's an attitude of faith. In any hard circumstance, 
we always have two opportunities ahead of us. There will always be an opportunity to praise God because he's going to show his character of love and faithfulness, of strength, of power. He's going to show that. And we are going to have the opportunity to thank him. We'll be able to give specific answers to specific benefits that he brings into our life. Those opportunities are always there. And so as an act of faith, we say before any answer comes, God, I want to tell you that at some point, I'm going to turn around and say to people, let me tell you what God did in this situation. I'm going to promise right now. Now, I might share that with one other person. I might share that in a small home study or Bible study or Sunday school class. I might share that before the whole church. But I am going to speak about that. And so we have different examples of promises to praise God before any answer comes. Psalm 59, 17. Oh, my strength. I love that beginning. Oh, my strength. I will sing praises to you. For you are God and my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. I promise I'm going to talk about that. And not only that, I promise that when I praise you, it won't just be a solitary thing. I'm going to let other people know about that. Psalm 22, verses 22 and 25. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before you who fear him. This was brought home to a number of us. This past Wednesday, we had a, we have a Wednesday night study. We had both men and women in that. We were dealing with a topic about God's healing today, sharing different things. And one of the men who was there talked about, to use my phrase, his hurt and hardship. Within this last year, he has four different physical problems, one of which involved an operation that did not work well. And his wife proved unfaithful and divorced him. In one year, hurt and hardship. None of us would ever want to go through what he went through. He's still in the middle of it, by the way. He still struggles with having lost his wife. None of those four areas is fully healed at this point. But he began to tell us, of what God has been doing. He says, I'm, I've been drawn closer to the Lord than I've ever been in my life. This is a mature Christian. And he talked for 10 minutes about what God has been teaching him and how he has learned and how God has been there. All of us were encouraged. All of us found our spiritual morale increased. We never want to have to go through that, but when we go through what we're going to have to go through, we can remember his testimony You've been faithful to him. Please be with me. And so he was able to praise God before the answers were fully there. But he's in the process, and he encourages the rest of us. So God has provided for his people this pattern of prayer, this five-fold pattern of initial cry to God. Talk about your hurt and hardship. Ask God to bring good out of the situation. Express trust ahead of time. Tell him in advance you're going to praise him and thank him. But the person who did that the best was the Lord Jesus Christ, who at the cross, which was the most severe experience of hurt and hardship, he prays biblical lament. And we hear that in two of the prayers. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is the most profound hurt. 
Not forsaken for his own sin. Forsaken for my sin and forsaken for your sin and forsaken for the sin of the world. What element of biblical lament was that for the Lord Jesus? It was his expression of hurt and hardship. What danger was he protected from? The danger of denial. A few hours later, he prays again. He also prays biblical lament. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's a direct quote from a lament psalm, Psalm 31.5. He adds one word to that psalm. He adds the word Father. And then he quotes, into your hands I commit my spirit. What element of biblical lament was that? It was expression of trust. What danger did he overcome? The danger of unbelief. And so I want to say, God has graciously given us in 50 Psalms, as well as other passages, there's a whole book called Lamentations. He has said, I have provided a way. You are in a fallen world. There's sin that you struggle with that I will provide forgiveness for. There's hurt that comes your way. There are circumstances that come upon you. I have given you this pattern, and even my own Lord, Jesus Christ, has followed that pattern. So let's follow the Lord. Let's trust that God can meet us in the circumstances that we never want to be in, in the hurt that we never want to experience. And rather than being damaged and destroyed by it, to find that God is even good enough to bring good out of what is not good. Let's pray. God, we just sang earlier today, your grace is enough. Part of that grace is to give us a pattern of prayer. Part of that grace is just to be there with us in the middle of it. Thank you that you are greater than any hurt we experience. Thank you that you are greater than any hardship that comes upon us. And as we go through that, may the Spirit of God enable us to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Listen to the last recorded words in Scripture from our Lord Jesus Christ. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.